Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Hour 2 of 6.30 Chad Inside Sports on this Tuesday evening and it'll be our final hour as the Eskimo show comes around 8 o'clock until 9 with Morley Scott. Morley will pop in in about uh, 45 minutes and discuss what's coming up on the show as the Eskimos are in Ottawa this Saturday to take on the Red Blacks. Both teams have lost two straight games, so it should be a schnarly game. I hope so. Uh, the kickoff from TD Place is at 5 o'clock. Morley and I will be around with the pregame show at 3.30. Also, Blake Dermott, our in-game analyst, uh, will be around as well on Saturday to provide his uh, thoughts throughout the game. Uh, scoreboard update, Toronto Blue Jays with a 2-0 lead over the Houston Astros in the top of the fourth inning. Good news because the Baltimore Orioles right now are leading the Texas Rangers 4-0. And the Boston Red Sox, they will take on the Seattle Mariners. That game will be get will be underway in about uh, one hour from now in Seattle. And Baltimore leading the American League East by one game over the Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays. So that would end up, by the way, for the wildcard spot, Boston and Toronto are tied for the wildcard spot. So or I guess you could say they have the two spots right now because they award two of them. So there you go. Uh, this hour, or this half hour, brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. So... Fantasy hockey, it's becoming a bigger deal, I would say. Uh, I played some fantasy hockey last year. Play a lot more fantasy football than I do fantasy hockey. Uh, But uh, you know what? It's uh, starting to become big. And to talk about it, Matt Larkin, who is the writer and editor of the Hockey News. Uh, Recently, the Hockey News put out their top 200 player list for fantasy hockey and matt joins us now matt nice to have you back on the show how you doing i'm good dave how you doing pleasure to be here yeah doing really well nice to have you back on the show and uh last week you uh uh you know another sign that uh the 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 off season of the uh nhl is 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 dwindling we're in august which is really the dog days of uh of the off season because not, not a lot of news has happened or happens in august although the oilers made some news today of course with uh the hire of brent gretzky as a uh, assistant general manager but you had your uh, last week you uh, you exposed to the world your top 200 fantasy uh, hockey list as far as you know fantasy hockey goes and the top 200 players on your list and uh, fantasy hockey is something that's really growing isn't it because you know obviously fantasy football is big in the NFL but uh, this is something that's starting to grow in the NHL too. 
Absolutely, and the leagues are getting more sophisticated. You don't, you know, you don't just have your traditional pool where you're writing down names at the office anymore. Now you've got your your Yahoo Fantasy, your online pools, and keeper leagues are becoming big, where you're sort of trading draft picks and prospects. And what's really changed the game is daily fantasy sports, or DFS, as the poolies call it. That's the colloquial term. Um, that's betting and making a team every day, if you want to, creating a new team every day. So the game is really changing. It's bigger than ever, and it's good to prepare early, especially right now, because we've got the World Cup of Hockey coming. That's going to be a fun distraction for people who are going to want to watch that in September. So you're going to have to get ready for your draft a little bit earlier than normal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, might be more mid-September drafts than, you know, usually late September, even, uh, you know, a couple days before the season drafts, right? <laughs> That's right. Or it's funny. Well, I was talking to my, my dad, who's my commissioner of my own league, and I said, Dad, we have to wait till after the World Cup. We have to do this draft late because if somebody gets hurt, look at John Tavares and Sochi. If a big guy gets hurt in the tournament, you don't want to get stuck drafting him right before the World Cup starts. Very true. Now, is your dad a good commissioner? Uh, he's controversial, you know. He <laughs> moves, and he seems to always have the rule change that that happens to benefit his team. He's a little bit shady. That's his reputation. So the rules could change on a daily basis, perhaps, or depending on how bad, your, how good or bad your your dad's team is doing. Exactly, exactly. It seems like there's a new edict, and the lower the, he is in the standings, the more that we're seeing different rule changes to kind of help his team. <laughs> well, let's get into to the list here. And uh, there, there's a few Oilers on the list. you got number one, uh, Patrick Kane, on your list, and number two, the uh, Conn Smythe Trophy winner and won his second Stanley Cup uh, a couple months back or or less than a couple months back. That's Sidney Crosby of the Penguins, Jamie Benn of the Dallas Stars, and then Connor McDavid at number four. Uh, Connor McDavid, I'll tell you, in, uh, in, in uh, about a half a season, and, and that's the big reason why I didn't win the Calder Trophy because the, of the games played, but uh, his points per game total was, was pretty darn high. Oh, it was absolutely remarkable. It was higher than Sidney Crosby's. It was higher than everybody except for Patrick Kane and Jamie Benn. And that's why I feel very strongly about having Connor really high in the rankings. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up being the number one overall player, if he ended up leading the league in scoring this year. Um, but as I tell people, when you're doing your fantasy drafts, you in the early rounds, it's very important. you got to pick for floor, not ceiling, because what you don't want is for your pick to sink you, your first pick to sink your team. You want to go with the money in the bank. So, why, so while I expect Connor is going to continue that production and be a 90-point guy this year. You still want to take the guys who you know will get 90 points before the guy who could get 90 points, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So go with the known instead of an unknown, instead of a, you know, a flyer sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. And then once you get to guys who you know don't have that same ceiling, that's when it's time to take Connor. And I look at John Tavares, even Alex Ovechkin, he's still scoring 50 goals, but his point production is slowly declining. It's going to the high 70s, low 80s, whereas Connor's just getting started. And we saw with Sidney Crosby, his second year in the league, uh, I think it's fair to compare McDavid and Crosby constantly because they are generational talents. Crosby, uh, as a sophomore, his, his production exploded. He had 120 points. He won the Hart Trophy, won the scoring title. And it seems to be common for certain elite players to make that huge jump in year two, and I do think we're going to see it from Connor, and especially you know, I don't think it's fair or, or a problem to worry about injury history with him, um, because when it's a bone break like that, it, it's a, I chalk that up to a freak injury. It's not like it's a groin or soft tissue injury that could be uh, uh, chronic throughout his career, um, so I would put that injury aside, and I'm expecting a fully healthy season from Connor. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, yeah, totally. I mean, it was kind of a freak thing that happened anyway. Against When I said take a flyer, it happened against a couple of flyers, against the flyers. And by the way, maybe stay away from some flyers in the first round, right? So I, I think we're seeing a pattern here, Matt. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> 
Matt Larkin of the Hockey News joining us tonight here on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight and tomorrow talking about uh, Matt's list, uh, the Hockey News Top 200 Fantasy Players for 2016 and 17. So the next Oiler on the list is a very interesting name. He's a new Oiler, as a matter of fact. Milan Lucic, who was signed on July the 1st uh, by the Oilers. Big money, big, big term, that sort of thing. But likely, Matt, a guy that could get some points because he's going to be playing likely on the on the left side of uh, on Connor McDavid's line. That's right. And it's funny, it, it sort of goes against my usual instinct in fantasy. And one thing I usually tell people in, in hockey pools is don't go crazy drafting for lines because you never know when the line's going to get juggled. But at the same time, when you look at the money, if, if Milan Lucic is getting paid $6 million and he even publicly spoke about the McDavid factor, we know what's going to happen. He's going to get an extended look on the first line playing on the left side with Connor McDavid. And with respect to the linemates Lucic had in Boston and L.A. over the years, he had some great centers. But he's never had someone with the offensive ceiling of McDavid. I don't think he's had anyone even close. And no disrespect to Andre Kopitar, he's more of a 200-foot player. Um, but McDavid is the type of guy who can win the scoring title. And I think it's fair to expect a career year from Milan. He's at the end of his prime or middle of his prime. Um, if he's going to have that breakout and he's going to get his first 35-goal season, 70-point season, I think this is the year it's going to happen. Um, and of course, Milan Lucic, if you're in a pool who that, that uh, uses penalty minutes and hits, that's a bonus. It makes Lucic that much more valuable. So I think this year he's going to deliver his most fantasy hockey value he's ever delivered. Yeah, and because he had a 55-point year last year, and you're saying he could get to the 70s, so that's a 15- to 20-point jump. I think that, I think it's a fair it's a fair assumption to make. I really think it's going to happen. Uh, the only the, the caveat with Lucic, I mean, he has the reputation of because of his very physical style, he's an injury risk. He actually hasn't missed many games at all in the last several seasons. But you never know when he's going to break down. A guy that big who loves to hit, um, it, it, he's always at more of a risk of an injury than a guy who doesn't play that physical style. So there is a bit of a red flag there. Uh, at the same time, he's worth the risk because he could be the type of guy. You know, you could get him in the second or third round of your draft, and if you have the first, or, you know. A top five pick, let's say, get McDavid and stack him, as they call it in fantasy circles. Mm-hmm. Stack David and Lucic. That could win you your league. So Lucic, you have at number 42, 10 spots down. You got Jordan Eberle at number 52. Could be the right winger for Connor McDavid uh, on that line. So Eberle is interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that look at him and uh, one, they expected him to maybe be traded. He's not going to be traded, so he's going to be with the Oilers. But this is a 34, a former 34 goal scorer who had about, what, I think 20, 24, 25 goals last year. Um, but could see himself on McDavid's line, so it could be big points again. Absolutely, and I do think that Jordan's going to get the first look because, you know, he played in McDavid and Benoit Pouliot last year for an extended chunk once, once Jordan was back healthy, and once we finally got to see McDavid and Everly both in the lineup together. Um, so I do think he's earned it. Uh, his production increased dramatically when he was with McDavid late in the season. Um, but at the same time, Everly's a guy, he always, I expect a little bit more of him, and it's not like he hasn't had good linemates in the past um, with all, you know, all the first overall picks the Oilers have had. They had all that good young talent, right? Nugent Hopkins and, you know, chances on the line with Taylor Hall, stuff like that. Uh, Everly doesn't seem to... He, I, I keep expecting that 80-point season from him, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, at the same time, if he can stick on the line all year, if it's going to happen, I, I do think this is the year, similar to with Milan Lucic. Matt Larkin of the Hockey News joining us here on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports, talking about the Hockey News uh, Top 200 uh, Fantasy Hockey List. As, uh, you know, we're getting to that time of year. we got to start thinking about that, even though we're in early August and we still got a few weeks to go before the start 
of the regular season. Okay, the final two Oilers to make the list, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins at number 92 and uh, Leon Dreisaitl at uh, 104th on the list. I find these two very interesting. You know, when you look at Nugent Hopkins, he could be the third line center, but he also might be a line mate of, or he could be uh, the center for Leon Dreisaitl too. So, you know, it could be interchangeable. One could be the line mate for the other, or you could have McDavid one, Dreisaitl or McDavid or uh, Nugent Hopkins two or three. This is interesting. It's very interesting, and, and especially because we know we saw last year that Leon Dreisaitl can play the right side. So you could definitely try him uh, on Ryan Nugent Hopkins' right wing. Um, but it's interesting. If they end up keeping them both at center, I, I think in, in hockey pools they're going to hurt each other's value because both guys are good enough to be top six forwards. Both guys on certain teams could even get it cracked to be the first line center. I feel bad for the news. You know, I, I think he's had some bad luck with injuries over the years. Um, I think he's a better two-way player than he gets credit for. I almost like for both parties, I wouldn't mind seeing a trade in real life uh, um, because there are plenty of teams out there that I think would like to give Ryan a shot to be their number one center, and in hockey pools, that would be better for his value as well. And I also think that Dreisaitl has become a bit of a Rodney Dangerfield in hockey pools. He doesn't get enough respect. People think that his production, you know, well, let's say it did dip a bit when he once he was off the line with Taylor Hall, but people forget. Leon Dreisaitl is very young. He was the third overall pick in the 2014 draft. He has elite pedigree, and he's overshadowed a bit by some of the other prospects in the game, especially McDavid. Um, but Dreisaitl is a very talented guy. They called him the German Wayne Gretzky Mm-hmm. when he came over and started playing the WHL. Um, so I, I truly believe he's capable of being a big-time performer on his own, whoever he plays with. He's not a guy that other people make better. He's a guy who can make others better. He's that good. Um, so I, I hope that Leon gets a shot this year in a top-six role. Um, it could mean playing on the right side with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So there you go. There's some Oilers that uh, could help you out in, in your pool. Now, for you, uh, Matt, if you had the first overall pick, who, who are you picking first? I'm still going with Patrick Kane. Uh, I do think that last year might end up being his high watermark, but at the same time, I don't expect him to regress and be an 80-point guy. I still think he has a very high floor, probably 90 points, um, and he's an elite player. He was always supposed to be elite. He was the first overall pick in his real-life draft year. He's doing what he was always supposed to do. So but when I say that, I mean that his Art Ross winning season was not a fluke. He was always supposed to be an elite talent like this, so I expect him to stay at this level for a couple of years. Um, whereas Sidney Crosby, he came on very strong, late in the year, and I, I couldn't fault anyone for taking Sid first overall, but at the same time, Sidney, kind of like Steve Eiserman in the second half of his career, has become a really good 200-foot player, and I do think we're starting to see Sid sacrifice a little bit of offense, and that's fine. In real life, he's, you know, he just won the Smythe Trophy. It's worth it, um, but from a fantasy perspective, I think Patrick Kane now has the higher ceiling than Sid. Okay, two-part question for you. Who on this list do you think is going to be a player on the rise, and who might be a player on the decline? Okay, a player on the rise. Well, I mean, there are two centers that I love, and I, maybe they're too obvious to be true breakout picks, but I'm really I'm going to be reaching in my drafts for Mark Shifley and Alexander Barkov. Uh, Barkov's a guy, it's funny, people talk about Nathan McKinnon first overall in 2013, and people thought, wow, Sasha Barkov went before Jonathan Duran and Seth, uh, Seth Jones in that draft. But to me, Barkov, first-line center in Florida, looks like he's the best player in that draft, including McKinnon. He's becoming a true first-line center. I think he's going to be a 70-point guy this year, playing in Florida on the top line with Jonathan Huberdeau, Yammer Yager. And, of course, there, of course, there's Mark Shifley, who became the unknown superstar of the league last season after Brian Little went down to Winnipeg. Shifley had 32 points in his final 25 games of the year. He was the most productive player in the league, not named Patrick Kane or Sidney Crosby, <laughs> uh, for an extended stretch. And, again, he's a guy with, I always look at 
when you're trying to find out if something was a fluke, what, what is his pedigree? And Mark Shifley was a top 10 pick in the NHL draft. So again, I think he's doing what he was supposed to do. It's not like, say, Andrew Hammond breaking out of nowhere in Ottawa the year before because Hammond didn't have that pedigree. Uh, so I expect Shifley and Barkov, two guys, uh, I see them continuing to ascend as first-line centers. Um, a guy I'm a little bit bearish on is Jonathan Tate. And I know there's some Chicago Blackhawks fans out there Right now, they're saying, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? <laughs> and it's not an indictment of Taves' ability as a player. Uh, to me, Taves is just the classic guy who, in real-life hockey, his game is not flipped at all. He's an elite player. He's one of the best players in the world, probably one of the five best players in the world. But in fantasy hockey, Taves just doesn't score as much as people realize. He's got tremendous hands. He can score. He could be a great offensive player if he wanted to, but he gives away some of that offense because he's so good all over the ice. He's a great defensive forward. Um, so in fantasy pools, he's a guy that might get you know 29 goals goals, 64 points, yet he's drafted as if he's an elite player. He's drafted based on his real-life ability, uh, and it doesn't fly in fantasy circles. So I think you're going to be disappointed if you draft Jonathan with one of your first two picks. Right on, Matt. This is good stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, a lot of work putting that list together, and there's going to be a lot of work for uh, a lot of fantasy hockey players as uh, the season draws nearer. So uh, thanks for your insight tonight. All the best to you. Thanks, Dave. My pleasure. And everyone uh, going on THN.com, I'll be updating the rankings every couple of weeks leading up to the season. Matt Larkin, editor and writer from the Hockey News. I said Brent Gretzky again. It's Keith! <laughs> Slap. Another toonie. Boy, we could do a lot of things with, uh, with the amount of money we're, we're uh, putting in the toonie jar for the Brent Gretzky jar. My goodness. Anyway, I should give it to all to, to you, Bernard. I don't know. We're probably up to like, I don't know, 14 bucks already. Wow, that's yeah. enough for pizza. That's enough. That is enough for pizza. <laughs> Absolutely. So you hope I just keep saying it. You get to order two pizzas, right? So I know. Yes, Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky named assistant general manager of the Oilers today. Uh, Michael says his uh, New Jersey Devil Hall on the list. Yes, he is at number twenty-seven. And Matt suggests uh, a guy that probably gets twenty-five goals, forty assists. 65-point guy this year. 722, back with more Inside Sports in a moment. Summer equals savings at Westlock Motors. Hi, I'm Todd Ducharme with Westlock Motors, and we're inviting you to take advantage of huge savings today. The Canada-wide clearance is on now at Westlock Motors with 0% financing for up to 84 months on most models. Don't wait. These offers won't last long. The Canada-wide clearance is on now during the summer sell-down at Westlock Motors. Visit Westlock Motors today or online at westlockmotors.com. Your nail polish is sweet. Where'd you get it? Oh, I took it from my mom. Your bracelet's cool. Where'd you get it? Oh, that? I took it from my mom. Your sweater's awesome. Oh, thanks. Where'd you get it? I took it from my mom. Check it out. I got some benzos. Oh, where'd you get them? Oh, I took them from my mom. Most teens take without asking. And thousands of them take prescription drugs not prescribed to them, such as sedatives and opioids. Find out more at drugfreekidscanada.org. If 40 is the new 30 and cell phones are the new video camera, then Monday nights are your new favorite night thanks to new episodes of the Property Brothers on W Network. You ready for this? Because watching Jonathan and Drew turn dumps into dream digs is like a night on the town. Well, they want something unique and beautiful, I can give them both. And let's face it, kitchens are the new basement, bathrooms are the new bedrooms, and a relaxing night in is the new fun night out. Watch new episodes of The Property Brothers, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific on W Network.
This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. 724, welcome back to the program. Tuesday evening edition of 630 Chad Inside Sports. Campbell in for Wilkins. Uh, thanks to Matt Larkin from the Hockey News for uh, joining me. Talk about uh, fantasy hockey, and you can, you can find the top 200 list for fantasy hockey on the Hockey News website. Uh, here's his top 10 list. Number one, Patrick Kane of the Hawks. Number two, Sidney Crosby of the Penguins. Number three, Jamie Benn of the Stars. Number four, Connor McDavid of the Oilers. Number five, John Tavares of the Islanders. Number six, Alex Ovechkin of the Capitals. Number seven, Tyler Sagan of the Stars. Number eight, the first defenseman on the list, Eric Carlson of the Senators. And then two goalies round out the top ten. Carey Price, who should be good to go from that MCL sprain. Uh, He's at number nine of the Canadians and number ten, Braden Holtby of the Washington Capitals. So check it out at the Hockey News. Uh, Updating the uh, baseball from this evening. The Toronto Blue Jays in action. They're still up 2-0 over the Houston Astros. And uh, earlier today, um, because of the trade for Francisco Lariano from the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, general manager Ross Atkins says acquiring Lariano means all-star Aaron Sanchez will be moved to the bullpen. Which in some ways makes sense, in some ways doesn't make sense. Their bullpen's pretty spotty. But when you got a guy that's going the way that he's going as a starting pitcher, do you really want to mess with that? So, not an easy decision for Ross Atkins. I see uh, Russell Martin says he doesn't like it, the Blue Jays catcher. So, Jays tied with Boston. Game back of Baltimore in the AL East. Boston is in Seattle later on tonight. That game will get going about 40 minutes from now. And Baltimore with a 4-1 lead over the Texas Rangers top of the 8th inning. We'll talk some more CFL Going to hear a lot of it between 8 and 9 tonight with Morley Scott on the Eskimo Show. We'll uh, talk with Justin Dunk, CFL.ca, 3 Down Nation, and Sportsnet.ca about uh, the going-ons in the Canadian Football League. Week 7 begins tomorrow in Winnipeg. Campbell in for Wilkins, Inside Sports, on a Tuesday. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Helps if you turn the mic on, right, Bernard? My goodness. Now we need to put a toonie jar for every time I don't turn the mic on. Although that jar is going to be a little thin. Although you could put it towards the pizza fund if you want. Probably at by the end of the night, probably be $100 in the jar. $100? <laughs> oh, good thing I only have 25 minutes left. So <laughs> this doesn't carry over to Morley because he's, you know, he doesn't like to lose his money. Not that I'm saying that I do, but, you know, he, ho, 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 no way, no way. Anyway, yes. Tuesday evening edition of the show. Uh, the Eskimo show coming up uh, after 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, usually is on a Monday, but we decided to give Morley and the Eskimos the day off yesterday because of the holiday Monday. So they're back tonight. Uh, the show will be back in its normal spot uh, next Monday uh, here on 630 Chad. But tonight, uh, Tuesday, Eskimo show between 
8 and 9 o'clock. This half hour brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. CFL Shaw, top performers of the week announced today. And Stampeders quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell, kicker Liram Hirolahu, and defensive back A.J. Jefferson, both of the Argos named the uh, top performers of the week. Mitchell was 29-44 passing, 364 yards, three touchdowns, and leading the Calgary Stampeders to a 44-41 win over the BC Lions. Moved them atop the standings of the West Division at 3-1-1. One, and one. They were down by 14 uh, with uh, about 3-4 minutes to go in that game. Hiralahu hit all five field goal attempts in Toronto's 23-20 win over the Ottawa Red Blacks. He has made 16 of 19 attempts this season. His first with the Argos and Jefferson registered his first two interceptions of the year with the win over Ottawa. Jefferson also added five tackles in the game. All right, let's talk some Eskimos and some CFL with Justin Dunk of CFL.ca, Three Down Nation, and Sportsnet.ca. Justin, nice to have you back on the show again. How you doing? Doing pretty well, Dave. How are things out in Edmonton? Well, you know, things are okay. Weather was uh, weather's been interesting here. So is the football team. The weather and the football team, I think, are uh, matching each other. So it, it's a, been a weird season to start. Um, two and three is a position that we haven't seen this football team in a lot, especially the previous two years. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of want to get your impressions of uh, of this team uh, from afar here. Uh, two and three, they've lost two straight, and in the last six quarters, they haven't played really their best football. Well, obviously, the offense has been rolling to start the season, and the defense is what everyone is looking at, right? We were talking sort of a little bit off air, but the front was supposed to hold this group together, and it's a veteran, experienced group up in that defensive front four with Armando Sewell and Odell Willis sort of leading the way. Of course, Eddie Steele and Marcus Howard as well. And you still have J.C. Sherritt in the middle, so you thought the front seven would be pretty solid. And you had Dion Lacey, who was special team demon last year, you making a starter this year. He's looked pretty good at times, too. I think the issue has been the secondary, and in particular, some of the new pieces there. We all know how good Patrick Watkins and Marcel Young have been on the weak side, but that strong side has gotten exposed, especially at the halfback spot where Aaron Grimes was last year. Yeah, and you know it. It, it kind of goes back and forth. I find with that defense because there, there'll be some some parts in games where they will attack the less experienced side, but there's times where they will attack the veteran side, and we kind of saw that last year, and it's funny, a note, a note from practice today is is General Manager Ed Hervey had a long discussion with Pat Watkins and with, with Marcel Young. Um, I don't know what the discussion was, and it wasn't like it was all bad or anything, and there's, there's some smiles in there too, but um, really... I guess when you got a lot of changes in your defense or on your team, Justin, but let's look at the defense specifically. Do you really have to rely on those veterans to carry the, you know, to carry the mail? You certainly do. And I think everyone needs to remember out there too, that this is a new scheme. Chris Jones was obviously coaching the defense last year. Now it's Mike Benavides. And although Benavides will say that he does something similar to Jones, it's still a new scheme. There's still new terminology. So, it wasn't like this group was going to come out of the gate flying and be stout like they were last year. And when you consider all the losses, the guys that went down to the NFL. So I think 
some patience will pay off. Mike Benavides has proven as a defensive coordinator. He's won a great cup as a head coach. He's a defensive guru in this league, so I just think you need to give him some time. And it looks like the offense is going to have to carry the way here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talked about the offense being able to score points and and be able to match teams, uh, you know, drive for drive. And it hasn't been that way necessarily the last six drives. But I I don't know, Justin, if if you have the impression that even though the offense is struggling, uh, that they're going to stay there. Yeah, I don't think so at all. Mike Riley won't let this group sort of rest back on their loyals. They were going at such a fast pace to start the season. I think that maybe just heightened expectations for everyone watching this team that they're going to throw up, you know, 35, 40 points a game, which they're obviously capable of doing. But at the same time, teams and defenses are going to have good games against them. And I think it was interesting watching what the Bombers did because it seemed like they were going to make one receiver their focus they came out of the game, and that was a Darius Bowman. He only had three catches for 43 yards. And I think that's the M.O. against this offense is if Darrell Walker and Darius Bowman are flying around making big plays, they're going to put up a lot of points. But if you can really focus in and shut down one of those guys and only one of them goes off, you're in a much better situation defensively. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, this offense has been, you know, uh, described as, you know, we're going to hit the open guy and we're going to have, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of receivers, you know, with big catch numbers and that hasn't really happened and I guess if you're a quarterback sitting back there and you're a former quarterback are you naturally going to find you're, you're going to want to find your best guy or your second best guy if, if they're at if they're going at a great clip the as Bowman and Walker are is it just a tendency as a quarterback that you go I'm going to stick with these two well, there might be a little bit of that, but I think Mike Riley would tell you too, and I don't mean to, to speak for him at all, but he's going to hit the open guy no matter who that is and, and the, the throw that he believes is the one to take no matter who's running that. Yeah, would he rather throw it up to Darius Bowman in a jump ball situation? Um, all things being the same, yes, that's for sure. Um, but I think still Mike Riley's going to go through his reads and distribute the football accordingly. Well, let's face it, those two guys are pretty good at getting open, too. So, <laughs> Justin, Junk, uh, Justin Dunk joining us here on uh, 630 Chet Inside Sports of CFL.ca, 3 Down Nation, and also of Sportsnet. Uh, Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. Okay, uh, one one team that Eskimo fans are just, they're just laughing it up right now, and they're just, you know, rubbing their hands and going, okay, if our team's struggling right now, we're happy that another team is really struggling, and that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, with the, with what happened with Chris Jones leaving and blah, 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 and that sort of thing. Uh, what's your read on the Riders right now? Injuries, of course, don't help. Yeah, that's the big issue here is injuries are piling up, especially along the offensive line and on defense, too. You know, Buddy Jackson was just starting to play some good football for them at boundary corner, and he gets hurt, and they really got exposed against Montreal because they had a lot of young players in the lineup. But Chris Jones is not going to let this team get blown out again. They do have a tough matchup going to Calgary this week, but they're going to you know, make some tweaks. Hopefully they get Darian Durant back on the field. And whenever he's on the field for the Riders, they're competitive. He's kept them in every game this year that he's been in, and they probably should have a couple more wins than they actually do. So I don't think it's quite as bad as it looks right now in Riderville, even though they have that 1-4 record and just got blown up by 38 points in Montreal. I think a lot of the youth just need some time to develop in Chris Jones' system. And Chris Jones is definitely not, 
you know, patient enough as, as well. I mean, he probably understands the situation that he was in, but he has even made changes to the changes he has made in the off season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, perfect example is a guy like Sean Lemon was a big off season signing for the Riders, comes into training camp, isn't playing up to their expectations, to Chris Jones's expectations, and he doesn't start, and eventually he's shipped out of town. So he's shown that even though obviously, you know, he wants to win every game possible, he's obviously very competitive, that if you're not going to be there and perform, no matter who you are, you won't be with the Riders for very long. Justin, uh, Justin Dunk joining us here on 630 Chat Inside Sports of CFL.ca, 3 Down Nation, and of Sportsnet.ca. Over in the East Division, and the Eskimos have a, a big matchup in the nation's capital in Ottawa, who have now, on Saturday, who have now lost two straight. Henry Burris uh, getting booed out of the stadium, which I found interesting, although, you know, Trevor Harris, let's face it, has set a astronomically high bar. Um, but you look at the top of the standings, and they're the Toronto Argos, and they're without Ricky Ray, and Logan Kilgore won his first ever start. The East Division just doesn't make sense, Justin. So can you try to make sense sense uh, of it for us out here in the West? It has been pretty tough to figure out for sure, Dave. Now, Toronto's done a pretty good job here. Obviously, Logan Kilgore gets a win in his first career start, but in a bunch of other injuries. Their top four receivers were out last week against Ottawa. Three of their starting DBs coming into the season were out, so it wasn't just a quarterback position. That team has had some injury troubles as well, and yet they sit at the top of the East at 4-2. and two. Henry Burris getting booed off the field in Ottawa last week was pretty head-scratching because that Ottawa fan base is a pretty smart group. They understood that Hank was coming back from a bit of a long layoff, and it looked like maybe he was rushed back a little bit because Trevor Harris got hurt because it didn't seem like the football was coming out of his hands quite the way he would want. Now, Hamilton, I think, is sort of flying under the radar here until they get Zach Caleros back. So they still kept their head above water at 3-2, and two, and everyone thought Montreal was just going to be flat out terrible. But here they're right in the thick of the race, and they have two wins. So they're very tight east right now, and I think it's really hard to pick a favorite. I know you wanted me to try to figure, figure it out for everyone out there at Wesley, but it's pretty hard to pick a favorite right now. I would say if Trevor Harris is healthy yeah. and he is in that number one role in Ottawa, that would probably be the team who would be the odds-on favorite to win the east, but injuries play a factor. And then there's Zach Caleros, who seems to be on the precipice of you know, retaining that role as a, as a starting quarterback. And it looks like he's been knocking on the door, right on the doorstep of returning, but just hasn't happened yet. But there's a lot of people that think once once Caleros gets back that all of a sudden Hamilton's the team to beat in the East. Exactly. And I, I totally misspoke on not mentioning Harry or Caleros in the last little bit because he could change the dynamic of the East Division as well. You know, everyone looked at Henry Burris and he was full value for winning the MLP last season, but Caleros was on another level if he projected their numbers out over 18 games. Obviously, Caleros had the injury and that left him out, but Hamilton expects Caleros to be back here pretty soon, and it looks like after this game that Hamilton plays against the Bombers on Wednesday, they have 10 days off, and Caleros has been doing more and more in practice, been working with the scout team, taking reps in 12-on-12 with other people around him, that he could likely come back in that week eight for Hamilton. We have solved nothing in the Eastern Division, and that's okay because we still have a lot of. <laughs> there's a lot of drama left to be played out here, so uh, that that's no problem at all, Justin. You did your best, and I think you you know, 
well, let's face it, the, the picture is just as muddy. But you you you've definitely set the table <laughs> for when 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 quarterbacks get healthy and, and teams in the East get healthy, it's going to be a, a tremendous race. So uh, I do appreciate that end of it. Now. One last point before we let you go here. There's been a lot of people that, and I find myself in this camp uh, quite often too, the the challenges are getting downright annoying, and that's what a lot of people are, are saying is, you know, games are being slowed up, uh, coaches are doing, or as far as the, the way they challenge, are going away from what's the norm, and that is maybe you hang on to that challenge in the fourth quarter, but it just seems like there's so much to challenge that, okay, let's just throw the flag, throw the flag. There, there, there's no more, you know, you can't challenge any more than you used to, but there's more you can challenge. Uh, where do you sit on it? Is it is it too much, or is it just the product of it's just still early in the CFL season, and maybe this all has to sort itself out yet? I'm sort of right there with you, Dave. It's early in the season. It's a new way of doing things in the CFL in terms of all these challenges, and the real fruit of this will bear out when we see the league sort of cut down on the time that's taking. Right now, I believe why it's taking so much time is that the coaches see a play and let's say they think they want to challenge it, well, they're waiting until the coaches in the booth see the replays mm-hmm. on their monitor and relay back down that they should challenge. So now we've waited you know, that period of time. Now the challenge flag is actually thrown, and then the discussion has to happen with the official, official as to exactly what the coach wants to challenge, and then you have to go through the replay process and come up with the decision. So... That whole process can maybe be sped up a little bit, and it's interesting. I was talking to Tom Higgins a couple weeks back about his time as a director of officiating, and he said that he put a time on CFL games, that if it went over three hours, he had to submit a report to the board as to why and explain what happened, why that football game went over three hours. So I would assume that that, protocol is still happening and that the games are still being timed but that's certainly one thing that they need to get sped up and there's a few ways to do it all right good discussion pieces and uh yeah hopefully the flow of the game start to improve and i think if we look at last year or the year before or whenever there's changes by labor day things sort of smooth out so hopefully that'll be the case again justin as always thanks for your time thanks Dave. pleasure to be on justin dunk CFL.ca, Three Down Nation, and also Sportsnet.ca. Text in here says, good Guelph boy. People need to hear him. I agree with you. So that's why we had him on the show tonight. Preview of the Eskimo Show coming up here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Campbell in for Wilkins this evening. Reed will be back on Thursday, which means you got me tomorrow. Brendan Albrick will join me in the first hour, plus we'll hear more information on the Oilers Entertainment Group uh, reaching a deal with uh, the professional bull riders. So we'll uh, talk about that, plus more Eskimos talk tomorrow as well. There'll be some Eskimos talk Coming up between uh, 8 and 9 o'clock, and uh, Morley Scott joins me now for a little preview. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Good. I'm well. How are you? I'm okay. So uh, I, I think what I took away from today's 
media session with the Eskimos. I mean, they had a walkthrough today. They did a little bit of O&D and that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of veterans being spoken to by management and uh, a lot of veterans owning their part of the deal here saying, it's on us. Yeah, I, I think everybody's taking the right steps to make sure the right people step up and say, it's on us, but let's fix it, too. I mean, I had a good chat with them on to Seawell today. We'll hear some of it uh, on the Eskimo show, uh, time providing. Uh, and he basically said, you know, we gotta we got to fix this. Like, we're running out of time. And if we can't do it, they'll get people who can. It's professional football. That's how it works. So, yeah, it's it's... We're a quarter of the way into the season now. Mm-hmm. This isn't a blip. This isn't a bad start. You're a quarter of the way into the season now. You have to get that defense playing better. You have to get the team playing a 60-minute game. You have to start to put it together because as every game means the same, but every, but as you go deeper in the season, we all know they're more important. Uh, they mean more, and you have to be playing well at the right time of the year, which is what they did last year, although they played pretty well for the most part right through last year after week one. So, yeah, they got they got places to go for sure, and they got to figure out how to get there. I mean, you're right, because the first third of the season ends on Saturday. The Eskimos lose their two and four, mm-hmm. which means they have put themselves behind the eight ball already. So you're looking at, well, they got to go three and three or four and two or something like yeah. that. And don't forget of those projected four losses if they lose Saturday. Three of them are at home. Right. So they don't have much room for error at home or on the road now. They got to they got to win football games. They got to win football games because Calgary's getting better right mm-hmm. now. They're starting to peak a little bit and they're starting to take off. So uh, BC maybe they're coming back to earth now after that great start. Uh, but the Eskimos still haven't anywhere near their best game. Nowhere near their best game. Offensively, pretty good. They're putting up good numbers. But sixty minute effort. All three sides of the game, they haven't been close to their best game yet. No, not at all. And you mentioned about the veterans, too, uh, owning their part in this. And Omondo Sewell saying, well, if I don't play well, they could replace me. They did sign a D-lineman to their practice roster. His name's Josh Watson, played out of Clemson. Uh, 148 defensive tackles in 44 games, 19 starts, something like that. I mean, right now it looks like, so what? That's also part of the process, just bringing in talent, right? They do that, exactly. all, the, they do that all the time, right? So yeah. uh, until he's on the active roster, then there's, you know, you take it a different way then. Yeah, exactly. So Eskimo show tonight gave you uh, the day off yesterday. Yeah, it was nice. A nice long weekend. <laughs> Eskimos, uh, Eskimos had a nice long weekend, too, although I, I'm pretty sure they put a lot of work in. Uh, watching video. That's another thing Sewell talked about today, too, is we have to do defensively. We have to do more homework. We have to do more mm-hmm. prep. We have to watch more video. We have to we have to figure things out more on the video. Uh, but uh, we're going to hear from head coach Jason Moss. We're going to check in with uh, our analyst Blake Dermott. Uh, we're going to go to Ottawa. Man, they got a quarterback controversy in Ottawa. Everyone's mad at Hank. They got the MOP from last year, the guy who led them to the Great Cup, and nobody wants him to they're play mad anymore. At him. In fact, there are people in Ottawa even suggesting Trevor Harris isn't coming back, but I don't think Hank should start this weekend anyway. Oh. So we'll check in with A.J. Jackiewicz, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, as well. And uh, Court Parks will do his best to uh, solve the mystery that is the Eskimos defense for me as well. So uh, all that uh, coming up on the Eskimo show uh, in about uh, five minutes. But you're right. Thank you, Morley. You're right. I okay. mean, things have to turn quickly or else, uh, well, it just gets worse and worse and worse. So there you go. Uh, Blue Jays with a 2-0 lead over the Houston Astros. And that game now in the top of the seventh inning. 
Baltimore, who has a one-game lead over Boston and Toronto for top spot in the American League East. Uh, right now, where is that game? Where is that game? That game was right in front of my face, and then it moved on me. It's a final. Orioles with a 5-1 win over the Texas Rangers and getting underway in about uh, 10 minutes from now in Seattle. The Mariners will take on the Boston Red Sox. So that's what's happening there. Inside sports for this Tuesday evening. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tomorrow night on the show. Brennan Allwork will be around. We'll talk Oilers. We'll talk Eskimos. We'll talk uh, a lot of, you know, about today's news. As Keith Gretzky said it. No more toonies in the toonie jar for St. Brent Gretzky. Keith Gretzky was named assistant general manager. Scott Housen among the uh, couple of people that are out. Uh, Craig McCavish, by the way, stays. At least that's what it looks like for right now. So... Good for Craig McCaffrey, but Peter Shirelli definitely uh, molding this team into his likeness. Studio producer Bernard Suen. My name is Dave Campbell. Talk to you tomorrow night, six until nine, the Wednesday evening edition of Six Thirty Chat Inside Sports. Next hour, stay tuned. The Eskimo Show with Morley Scott. Have a good night. Six Thirty Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on Six Thirty Chad.